The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Today on the show, we've got the best and worst offensive lines according to Pro Football Focus heading into 2021. The Cleveland Browns are number one. You'll never guess who's number 32. Adam Azer, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummings. Before we get to that, you've heard of advanced stats. I'm giving you simple stats about wide receivers. Sometimes we get so bogged down in uh, advanced stats, average depth of target, and those things. Maybe you just want to know that uh, Robert Woods has never finished as a top 12 wide receiver per game. Maybe you should just know that. What does that mean? We'll talk about those types of things. Uh, Dave and Heath, hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. What's up, Adam? How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah. I I just completed, like just seconds ago, as you were doing your intro, and it was beautiful from what I could tell, one of your best ever. I just completed a uh, fantasy football trade. Oh, on, well, a, on it. a Wednesday in, in June. Um, it is a keeper salary cap league, but I just traded um, Jerry Judy and a what will likely be a late 22 first for Patrick Mahomes. Very confident in your dynasty team. Yeah. All right. Jerry Judy. I think a first it's a for steal Mahomes. for Mahomes. Steal. To have Mahomes for the rest of his career? That's what we're looking at here? Yeah. Um, the way it's set up, it might, like, it, I'm probably not going to keep, because it's a, your salary's increase. Like, most people don't get kept forever. But, yeah, I'll, I'll have Mahomes for the next four or five years for sure. Awesome. Nice well done. Yeah, good job. We're giving it a solid B+. Plus. It's a, it's a big-time win for Heath. Uh, Dave, speaking of Jerry Judy, I know you had a fun wide receiver or tight end stat. We don't even know. But Jerry Judy saw a catchable throw on 58.1% of his targets. Nope, nope, nope. 48.1. No, no, no. We're talking about catchable, not what his catch rate was. I am sorry. It's okay. So basically... Yeah, so for the first time, Heath's wrong about something. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. that that's yeah. fun. I, I didn't know it was the first time. But. Yeah. Um, so Wait, what, hold on. What you do is, yeah, so just to repeat the stat, a catchable throw on 58.1% of his targets. That's terrible. Go ahead, Dave. You, you take the number of drops that a receiver has. You'd assume they catch those passes. Those are on-target throws. You add that to the number of catches that he has. You divide that by the total number of targets he gets. Bada bing, bada boom. You've got your on-target percentage laid out for you. And a lot of receivers had an on-target percentage. Let's see. Let's just go look at some of the guys that had a very high on-target percentage. Um, I mean, we we got dudes that are in the 90s, the 80s. Here's one that's at 82.7%. 
none other than Stefan Diggs. How about that? What if I told you that before the season started, that Diggs would see a catchable target on almost 83% of his throws? You'd say, wow, what happened to Josh Allen? And, uh, well, even more impressive, even more impressive that he's not a, you know, a running back or a slot receiver or something like that. Right. Well, it doesn't really make sense to do this for, for running backs, but for receivers and tight ends, I think it's kind of an interesting stat. Yeah. And, uh, and to see it for Judy, what you're hoping for, and maybe this is what will happen if Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback there, or if Drew Locke can be a more accurate throw. I can't even say that with with a straight face. Uh, I, I, you could see that his numbers could go up. He had 113 targets last year. That was good enough to finish, I think, 23rd among wide receivers. Uh, he was sixth in air yards. Like he had some good qualities to him. He's got to hold on to the damn football. But if you're a receiver, not even 60% of the throws that are coming your way are uh, on target. It's it's a problem. Can, can I confess something? And people may have noticed this. Um, when I talk about catchable rate, I and there's other a couple other stats like this where there's like six different sites that um, monitor the number. I usually just say um, approximately sixty percent or just under sixty percent because everybody's number is different. Like Every there's site. not an an accepted catchable rate. Um, the NFL is not keeping that number. Okay. I just looked on a different site and it showed 62%. Not to take away from that, like the stat is very true. And as Chris Towers would say, drops don't matter um, until it matters to the coach or the quarterback. So I think the point is taken. Like Jerry Judy, I just wrote about it this week in the wide dynasty wide receiver rankings. He absolutely is a fantastic buy low. Okay, but this wasn't even about Jerry Judy. So Dave, Dave said that Judy's catch, uh, catchable throw, saw a catchable throw on 58.1% of his targets. Second worst, this was the second part of it, second worst among wide receivers with 100-plus targets. Who had it worse? I thought it was wide receivers and tight ends, but it's just wide receivers. So who saw even a, a lower percentage of catchable throws with 100-plus targets, Dave? Who was it? No guesses? Nobody wants to take a guess? I've got a guess. Go ahead. I read the email. I should. Okay, guess. so don't guess. Adam, did you read the email? Because I put it in at the very end. No, I didn't. How did I not see that? Because you're dumb. Now, take a guess on who you think had a worse catchable target rate. A lot of targets. I'll say. Can, can I give you a clue? Yeah. Think of someone who also had a terrible catch rate. I'm going to say Evan Ingram. Mm. It's a good guess. But, but he's not a wide receiver. Not correct. Yeah, and I'll get the Evan Ingram's <laughs> catch. That's, that's why I was saying the wide receiver <laughs> tight end thing. Yes. <laughs> um, well, the original the part of the email said wide receivers and tight ends, I thought. But Evan Ingram's catchable target rate was 69.6%. Nice. nice. So I, I think that that's, that's actually like a surprise. You'd expect that to be a little bit lower. This show is not going Daniel to be Jones. about this stat, Dave. Just give me the answer. Who is AJ green? 49.5% uh, wow. of his targets in 2020 were on target, huh. which means the inverse 50.5% were off target. Ugh. So if Kyler Kyler is probably an upgrade over, well, he's definitely an upgrade over the, non-Joe Burrow quarterbacks in Cincinnati. I'd have to go back and see how many of Joe Burrow's throws Yes, were I'd like target. to know that. I'd like to know I that. I would, too. Because maybe that means... But I'm not really going to look that up right now. I'd green. rather talk about what we're going to talk about yeah. on today's show. Look it up some but other time. That's the cliffhanger for the next podcast. Good. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that could mean that uh, A.J. Green's not uh, 
not just a throw. Maybe he's a good late round pick that people are using on Rondell Moore. Maybe it should be used on AJ Green. All right, last night, Tuesday night, I know you're hearing this on Thursday. We're recording it on Wednesday, late afternoon. Tuesday night's mock draft was awesome. We had a great time. We hope you were there to join us. We had a lot of people in there chatting with us on youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We're going to be live next Tuesday again, 7 p.m. Eastern. Basically, set the calendar invite. 7 p.m. Eastern. Well, not you're not invited to be on the show, but you're invited to watch. Uh, we'll have another mock draft, okay? So be there, youtube.com slash fantasy football today, 7 p.m. Eastern, Next Tuesday, we will see you there. Subscribe to the channel. Turn the notifications on. You'll know exactly when we're going live. And we'll see you at youtube.com slash today Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. A reminder, you can watch all of our shows at that URL, youtube.com slash today. They're not live, but you can watch them, uh, you know, like you listen to the podcast. Okay, uh, simple stats for simple people. That was the name of the segment. Of course, the first time I wrote it, I misspelled the word simple, forgot the L, so that really worked. But these are some simple stats because really you can get so bogged down in all these advanced stats and they're great, but sometimes it helps just to know something like this. Keenan Allen in his last four seasons has been top 12 per game in PPR every year. He has been top eight three times, fourth, 12th, eighth, and sixth. That's where he's finished each of the last four seasons in full PPR. And his ADP is wide receiver 10. He's not as good at in non PPR. He's been um, he's been fourth, sixteenth, eighteenth, and thirteenth. So only one top twelve per game finish in non PPR, and only one top ten per game finish in half PPR. That actually stood out to me. He's been four, he had one year we had over he almost fourteen hundred yards, uh, and he was fourth per game in every format. But in half PPR, he's been fifteenth, twelfth, and eleventh per game each of the last three seasons. Um, but in PPR, 4th, 12th, 8th, and 6th in four straight seasons. So uh, that tells me something, Heath. I mean, that just tells me there's a lot of safety there with Keenan Allen. I know you like him quite a bit. Yeah, I think in my projections, I've actually got him number five, and it's because of, uh, partially at least, because of an Azer stat um, that oh, yeah. it wasn't given as an Azer stat, but I'm trying to compile it once again. He played 11 complete games with Justin Herbert last year. I thought it was 12. 11, it, well, it was 12 when we talked about it before, but we didn't realize, remember in the middle of that conversation, he actually left one of those games early. He left two so, games early last year. He left two games oh. early last year. Me, oh my. And so in those 11 games, he had 93 catches for 909 yards and seven touchdowns. Do you have the 16 game pace for that? I, I'll give you the same. I'll give That's you just 135 a, catch pace. Whoa. Hmm. My goodness. And and his uh, target Lord. share, his target share was basically what it always is. With just with Herbert, it was about 27 percent, um, which is what it's, it's been between 25 and 28 percent four straight years. Part of that is that they ran so many plays because he actually averaged 12.2 targets per game. In those eleven games, he was at ten point five targets per game overall in the season. That was second most among all receivers. If you did twelve point two for a full season this yeah. year, that's two hundred and seven targets. <laughs> <laughs> and they lost Hunter Henry. Yeah, they did. But they gained Jared Cook. Well, well so he, no. 
And the other thing is like the seven touchdowns in, and he actually scored eight with Herbert, but he scored one in one of the games he left early. Like the touchdowns for Allen were much higher than what we've come to expect, except for that rookie year. That's a great um, point. Yeah, he did. He did have, um, he did have eight like, touchdowns in 14 games and usually he's like a six touchdown guy, right? Yeah. I've kind of expected Herbert and this offense to regress a little bit. If they don't, Keenan Allen might be like Michael Thomas from 2019. Okay, let's go to our next simple stat for simple. Can people. I say one last thing on Keenan Allen? Yeah, not to. I'm throwing water on this. I don't like his schedule because he's got Denver twice. I think that'll be challenging for him. He's got the AFC North, so he's going to see Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I think those are going to be tough matchups. He's got the NFC East, so he'll see Washington. I don't think that'll be easy for him. He's got the Patriots. He's got the Vikings. It's going to be a tough schedule for the Chargers pass game overall this year. Now, I'm not saying that this means he's going to like see his targets shrivel up. I don't think that's going to happen. But you better hope he gets 200 targets this year. I think he's going to have a little bit of a tougher road. It's not a terrible point. I'm just looking at his schedule from last year. It was pretty favorable. But he had yes, it was. He, he, Chargers oh, had one of the best schedules according to the study last year. So he must have left the New Orleans game with an injury, right? That was yep. yes. prime time game. He had two catches for 29 yards and a touchdown on two targets. We'll throw that he had one nine out. for 67 and a touchdown against Denver. That's not so good though. Nine for 67 against Den- the touchdown's good. Nine for or five for 48 against New England. Four for 40 and a touchdown at Buffalo. So you do see a three for 39 at Miami. You do see in the tougher matchups the yards were not as good. So it's an interesting point. I don't know. Okay, interesting point. Let's go to our next one. This one is a simple stat, but it's actually, he's not a simple player to break down. But Tyler Lockett, three straight years for Lockett, he's been within 100 yards of, you know, of his his norm, I guess. But no, that's not the right way to put it. 965 to 1,057 yards. He's been within 100 yards, basically, three straight years, and eight to 10 touchdown catches. So a 1,000 yards, give or take 50 yards, and eight to 10 touchdown catches, three straight years. However, the targets keep going up and the catches keep going up, but the yards per catch keeps going down. So he's been interesting. And and Dave, you know, what do you think about that? He's It's a simple stat on a player that, in my opinion, is not simple at all in breaking down. I wonder if it's just because he's seeing shorter targets. He did. And this is one of the ways that the Seahawks tried to combat, A, getting taking advantage of coverage away from DK Metcalf, because I'm sure Metcalf was drawing some crazy coverage during the year. And B, they, they, we, they've talked about it. They've seen a ton of cover two defenses, a lot of zone defenses trying to rein them in. So it's a lot of shorter stuff going Tyler Lockett's way. That might be what's happening here. Heath, when you look at Lockett, if you just per game, the last three seasons... In 2018 and 2019, he was not even top 20. He was top 24, but he was just outside the top 20 per game. In 2020, he caught so many passes. He was 16th in non-PPR per game, but he was 12th in half PPR, 12th in full PPR. Um, So he just had a very different season, even though the final numbers, yards and touchdowns were the same. The catches were way up. The yards per catch, the dot way down. Uh, but what I think is complicated about Lockett is that he's basically had two years in a row where for half the season, he's been top five, essentially. So there's actually a lot he's, there with Tyler Lockett. He's kind of bizarro DJ Moore. Um, 
because DJ Moore did the exact opposite thing last year. Yeah. He turned into right. a deep threat who didn't catch any passes. And like the numbers you're looking at, I assume are all PPR. And so it, like I, he was the two years before last year, a better wide receiver to have in non PPR no. than he was in PPR. Yeah. But actually very similar. I said, I said uh, 2018 and 19 Lockett was not a top 20 per game wide receiver, but he was top 24. That was in all three formats, half, non, and full PPR. And he was hmm. within two, three spots. I mean, he was very 21 to 24 in all three formats. That's really strange that in 2018, he had 57 catches and averaged 17 yards a catch and scored 10 touchdowns. And he was basically the same in non-PPR and PPR. 21st in non, 24th in full. That is that's uh that's interesting. Touchdowns. I've got him top I've got him twelfth in both formats on a per game basis last year. Uh I have him sixteenth and non, twelfth and half, twelfth and full. But like hmm. I I think the f- and we talked about this, I think it was Ben Gretsch uh drink. That's become my new drink. Uh last year was Stefan Diggs. But the fat and DJ Moore, I would say the same thing about the fact that they have shown the ability to be successful as the deep ball guy and as the short area target guy is a very good thing. The fact that they have the ability, there a lot of receivers are kind of pigeonholed into one role. It makes them easier to take away. Tyler Lockett can do just about anything. I I think I'm the only guy that um, really, really likes Tyler Lockett going into this year. His ADP right now is 25th. Right. I, lo- I think that's so interesting, you know, the, ADP is 25th, and he's, like I said, each of the last two years, it's basically been tied to Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson's been great, and Russell Wilson's had two years in a row, where, I mean, this is oversimplifying it a little bit, but two years in a row where for half the year he's been basically the best fantasy quarterback, and for half the year it's like, what the heck is going on? But when he's been great, Tyler Lockett has been great, and he's the 25th wide receiver off the board. And I don't, like, I think that the best thing to do in this scenario is just not try to overthink it. Keep it simple. Tyler Lockett's been really, really good. I think Tyler Lockett's going to be really good. Dave, and yeah, maybe, maybe it will be frustrating, and and the the points won't be spread out in a way that you like. That's what I was going to say. There's 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 two things that people are going to think about when it comes to Lockett, and one of them is the same thing they're going to say about all the Seahawks pass catchers, and and maybe Russ too. Is this is a team that wants to run the football? They're scared that the pass volume won't be there for Russell Wilson. If he's not throwing a ton, then that hurts the target share for Lockett and DK Metcalf and everybody else that's up there. Go look at how many fantasy points he scored in weeks three, seven, and 17. According to my math, he scored 123 of his 260 PPR points in those three games alone. That's half, basically, of his entire 2020 production in three games. So he's, he's a roller coaster, man. Like, there's no question about it that inconsistency is an issue. There were only six games last year where he had at least 15 PPR points. You'd like that to be spread out, just as you said, Heath. But this is one of those things that you're going to have to think about on draft day. And what I usually do is when, when, it, when I get to a point where the receivers that are left on the board aren't all that great, I will start veering toward those receivers that have you know, a chance at some boom weeks, even if it's only three or four boom weeks over the course of the season. Lockett tops that list. It's weird for him to have 100 catches last year and to have been so inconsistent in PPR. That's that's a strange profile, I'd say. Okay, uh, very, Rob, very. Robert Woods, let's talk about him. He's been 14th through 18th in PPR scoring 
four straight seasons. 17th through 19th, this is all per game, per game. Uh, Robert Woods, 14th through 18th per game in PPR, four straight seasons. 17th through 19th per game in half PPR in four straight seasons. And 14th through 19th in non-PPR in three of the last four seasons. He did have one kind of bad non-PPR year on a per-game basis in the last four. But, you know, I, I, I see you guys seem to be very excited about Robert Woods. I don't know about all of you. He's um he's wide receiver 17, which makes sense. That's where he's finished four straight years in ADP, right in that range. I question his upside, though, Dave, when I see that he's never finished higher than 14th per game. I answer that question with Matthew Stafford. Who has fewer seasons in his career with a passer rating above 100 than Jared Goff. Yeah, but that's passer rating. What about passing yards? He has not what? had a 4,600-yard season since 2013. Jared Goff has two of them are, since Are you then. saying Jared Goff's better mm-hmm. than Matthew I'm Stafford? saying that people... I, I don't know. I'm not saying that, but I don't know. Good. I, I think that... I think that Matthew Stafford is overrated. I think he's oh boy. good. Okay. He's never won I, a playoff game. That's um, true. He he is, you know, people think Jared Goff stinks, and I think that that was definitely true last year, maybe true the year before, but he didn't always think. He, his Super Bowl year, he was really good. I think everybody's kind of crediting McVay for that. This offense has gotten worse. It's I see I see trends similar in the Rams offense than I saw in the Eagles offense. Where they won the Super Bowl and they were amazing and they took everyone by storm and they got progressively worse and Carson Wentz got progressively worse. The same thing is happening with the Rams. I mean, they were a below average offense last year. I I just don't know that Matthew Stafford fixes all of that. And I don't think Goff was all that bad, um, except for last year. He was pretty bad last year. So I don't know. You think you you think that Stafford is the thing that elevates Woods and I'm and I'm guessing Cup to higher upside. Hundred percent, yes. Right. And let me, let me just start with this stat: Goff's completed air yards per completion dropped from seven point oh, so this is ball in the air to a target seven yards in twenty eighteen, six point one in twenty nineteen. 4.9 yards in 2020. That ball didn't even travel five damn yards. What is with this? Eric off there. Oh, golf. Air yards per completion. This oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. This is not Matthew Stafford. Stafford has way more air yards. You take a look at his air yards, even last year. For example, last year, 898 air yards for Robert Woods. That's gross. Marvin Jones had 1,461 air yards. Kenny Galladay had 466 air yards in five games, almost 100 air yards per game. And Marvin Jones had almost 100 yards. Uh, I don't remember if he played 16 games, but he was pretty close to it. 2019, Galladay played a lot of games that year. 1,698 air yards. Marvin Jones had 1,186. But are these guys different players than Robert Woods? You know, I, Robert Woods is not Kenny if Galladay. If we were talking about Cooper Cup, I would agree with your point. But I think Robert Woods has the ability to be more of a downfield threat. You know that the Rams like his athleticism. They give him carries on end arounds. They use him all over the field. I don't think he's slow. Now, I don't look at him as a, as a complete receiver and a burner like someone like Stephon Diggs. But I think he's probably their best all-around receiver. And he will absolutely benefit from running more downfield routes with Matthew Stafford. And I think we should expect that from him. I'm always finding it interesting, Adam, the upside discussion. Like we've talked about um, 
Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore and Robert Woods, and we're discounting Robert Woods because of his consistency and not showing upside. And we're discounting Tyler Lockett because of his inconsistency and all of his production comes in a few games. Well, who uh-huh. has more upside, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, or Robert Woods? Um, I'm going to say for this upcoming year, Woods has it. I'm going to say Lockett. I would agree with Lockett just because he's given us top 12 production and he's shown us over half a season that he could be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Right. So if they could just have a full season like some of their hot stretches, I would agree with that. I, I think most people would say DJ Moore has a lot more upside than Robert Woods, mostly just because DJ Moore is younger and hasn't had as many good years in a row as Robert Woods. I just think that he is going to be on a team that doesn't throw a lot of touchdown passes. And that's held him back each of the last two seasons. But and, I think it's an interesting... You do t- Upside is hard to predict. You know, we, Oh, he's got more upside. It's hard to predict. You're right in that regard. But I guess um, my... I, I oh, think a lot of times, and I'm not saying you're doing this, I think a lot of times people use upside to express a reason for liking someone more when they don't necessarily have one. I just wonder, you know, if you're, are you passing up wide receivers who have top five potential to take Robert Woods? And maybe you think he does have top five potential. Um, mm-hmm. He's going Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, et cetera. Uh, the Bucks, yeah, you could definitely make the argument. That, I mean, the Bucks have shown us top five upside, so they they definitely have. I don't know that I think Amari Cooper necessarily has more upside than Robert Woods. I know he shows it to us for six games at a time every year, um, <laughs> sure. like Tyler, like Tyler Lockett. But uh, I want to go back because I think w- trying to figure out which of the Rams wide receivers is the downfield threat um, is important, and I I don't really I don't know well we can rule out cup he's been their slot guy for years I looked at it today he does not have a, a very strong or a very deep average depth of route and maybe right. that, and maybe it. and maybe all this is just a byproduct of Jared Goff being the quarterback exactly. and they realize that Goff has limitations throwing deep and so I think that's half the reason why they chase Stafford so now they've got a quarterback who's willing to throw deep and can do it with a semblance of accuracy. And they view Tutu Atwell as a guy who can get downfield. Tutu can do it, so can Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun, of course, Deshaun Jackson, yeah. Right, but I don't, you know, the problem is Deshaun Jackson might not stay healthy for more than seven games, and Atwell's a, a rookie. We don't know how quickly he'll adapt. And trust me, they, Robert Woods is not the same type of receiver. He's not as fast, but he's a craftsman. And he will find ways to get open. He's seen consistent target share, at least on a per-game basis. Each of the last three seasons, at least eight targets per game. You're looking for that when it comes to fantasy wide receivers. I think I think he's going to be steady, and I think he's going to give you good production. And I have no problem taking may, maybe the the steady guy in Robert Woods compared to someone who's going to be a roller coaster like Tyler Lockett. How about C.D. Lamb or Woods? I've got Woods at a Lamb. Now, if you're telling me Amari Cooper's injury is going to keep him on the shelf for a while, boy, oh boy, I, I think I'd put Lamb ahead of him. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if Cooper, I, I don't think it is. I don't think so um, either. No. By the way, what the thing is, Dave uh, Woods is RB is wide receiver seventeen in ADP, and Lockett is wide receiver twenty five. So I mean, that's that's a pretty 
Big difference. Sure. Might be two rounds. And I think that's what, and I think the reason for it is because people want the consistency. Yeah. And and there's upside too. I'm I don't I don't agree that Robert Woods is a top five receiver. He he doesn't have that kind of upside. I think a good year for him. He's top ten. A yeah. really good year. He for has would be top finished 10. top ten. He had right. Not That's on a why per, it would be a really good year for game, him. but he has been. Uh, but never worse than 18th per game. That's huge. I'm not trying to crap on Robert Woods. The other thing is with Jared Goff as his quarterback, he's gotten hardly any targets inside the 10 yard line. Those go to Cooper Cup. You never know. It could be completely different with Matthew Stafford. He's had one year in his last four seasons with the Rams with more than four targets inside the 10-yard line. That's really low. Um, so that could obviously change. He, he doesn't get a lot of red zone targets either. He's never had more than 12 with the Rams. But that those could be golf tendencies. All right. Those are some simple stats for simple people. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we have a lot of quarterback news. The latest on Aaron Rodgers. The latest on Deshaun Watson. Plus the best and worst offensive lines heading into 2021, according to Pro Football Focus. And we will be right back. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603. For complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's take a look at all the quarterback news from around the NFL. Not going to have time for your emails today, but we will get to your Apple podcast questions. Tom Brady, a full participant in minicamp. So he's recovering from knee surgery. He played the whole year with a knee issue. Talked about that a lot. Dak Prescott will be a full participant at training camp next month. So that's great. He had a fractured and dislocated ankle last season. But uh, he says he's buried the injury. That's awesome. Aaron Rodgers, not at minicamp. Former GM, not Packers GM, but former NFL GM Mike Tannenbaum predicted that Aaron Rodgers will sit out the first few weeks of the season. I think he said he'd come back in week three or four. That's an interesting thought. But right now he's not there. Uh, When's that ever happened? I mean, I remember with there was quarterback or was there a holdout? Melvin, Melvin, like Melvin Gordon. Gordon held out for like a month and then he Carson came back. Palmer just retired until they traded him, right? Right. Oh, he might do that. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we'll see. L- do you L- hear that Jordan Love had like a, a bang up day in minicamp? Am I the only one day. that has Ryan Tannehill over Aaron Rodgers now? Yeah, I don't have that yet, but lay it out there if it's. If training camp is underway and Aaron Rodgers isn't there, I don't know how you can feel good about drafting him ahead of Tannehill. 
Okay, uh, and speaking of quarterback news, this is uh, the new hot rumor. Deshaun Watson, well, it's a pretty substantiated rumor, I'd say. Kareem Jackson, who's on the Broncos, said that Deshaun Watson told him he wanted to be traded to the Broncos. So, uh, Ian Rappaport gave him the not-so-fast, my friend. In what regard? Uh, doesn't I, I think what he said was, I don't believe that's where Deshaun Watson, quote, wants to be. It is one of the teams that he's talked to. He's being recruited by a lot of teams and players. That's interesting. I mean, this is a a former teammate of Deshaun Watson's, a current Bronco who says Deshaun Watson wants to be wanted to be traded to the Broncos. Well, I wouldn't like Deshaun Watson may have told that to to several people. Yeah, what do you think he told Will Fuller when <laughs> Will Fuller was like, "Hey, where should I sign, man?" Wink, wink. Yeah. All right. I'm sure. Okay, Deshaun Watson has been getting recruited by former teammates and countless players across the NFL, and he remains open to several options, including the Broncos. But I don't believe Denver is, quote, where he wants to be, just one possible spot. Okay, fine. Arizona pass rusher Chandler Jones, linebacker Jordan Hicks, they were not at camp. This is bigger news than that. Jones is a big deal, by the way. Yes, he is. Um, He's an unbelievable part of that defense. Jim Harbaugh said the team is emphasizing using the running backs in the passing game. Oh, it's going to be huge for Michigan. The John Harbaugh. <laughs> John Harbaugh actually said the team is emphasizing using the running backs in the passing game. And the high for a running back is 26 catches by Mark Ingram in the Lamar Jackson era in the last two seasons. And J.K. Dobbins made a really cool catch at OTAs. Mm-hmm. Cool. He like leaped. All right, 26 catches. No, let's go 28 catches in 17 games over under. For all the running backs? No, for Dobbins. For Dobbins. Oh, my heart wants to say over so badly. I've got him projected for 23. I'm going to go under. I'll say over. I'm following my heart. Calvin Ridley had minor foot surgery, and Curtis Samuel has a groin injury. And, yeah. Go, I wanted to tweet something, and I think it was probably inappropriate, and so I just yeah, wanted to ask you, Adam, Bring because it you're the determiner. Okay, yeah. Uh, when I saw the tweet that Calvin Ridley had minor foot surgery, I wanted to, quote, tweet it and say he's already filling Julio Jones' shoes. <laughs> you know, Julio Jones stayed pretty damn healthy for, what, four years in a row before last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't a criticism of now, anyone. It was now, just were like you a, saying, he's doing something that Julio did. Were you saying fill his shoes? Was that a foot joke? It, it kind of works, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I hope Calvin Ridley makes a speedy recovery and both he and Julio Jones play 17 games this year and for as long as they want to play football. And I was going to quote tweet it and say it's Kyle Pitt's 200 target season. Mm. Oh, please don't say season. Can we please bury that? S-Z-N? I hate that. Well, I mean, you could just start saying it all the time and then you could nerf it. <laughs> Uh, by the way, if you want to hear more about Calvin Ridley, I just recorded two episodes of Fantasy Football Today and five with Jacob Gibbs. Uh, there are advanced stats, and then there are Jacob Gibbs' advanced stats. We did A.J. Brown, which is publishing Thursday, Calvin Ridley, which is publishing Friday. Reasons to be excited about both of them. Reasons why Julio Jones may not have as much of an impact as you might think on uh, A.J. Brown. So please listen to those on Fantasy Football Today in five. Also, watch HQ. CBS Sports HQ. It's always on, and CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports news day. 8 a.m. Eastern, morning buzz. That's an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. 
and then leave it on all day, but make sure you're watching at 6 p.m. Eastern when we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. How do you watch HQ? Go to your Roku, your Apple TV, your Fire TV, really most connected TVs, and look for the CBS Sports app. Fire it up. Check out HQ, the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. And now let's talk about the best offensive lines in football, according to Pro Football Focus, that's going into 2021. Cleveland was the best last year, and they return all five starters, so they are giving Cleveland the nod as the best offensive line in football. I'm going top five here. We can talk about as many as you want. Dallas is six, but Cleveland is one. The Colts are two. The Patriots are three. They should have a, a big improvement there. The Saints are four, and the Bucks. Five Cleveland Colts, Patriots, Saints, Bucks, Heath. When you see that list, does anything jump out at you? I mean, I don't like like you said. The, the Patriots, I guess, are the one that is the surprise based on what happened last year. It's just what do you do with that information? Like, are are, are we going to upgrade Cam Newton? No, he might lose his job to Mac Jones. We're going to upgrade Damian Harris. Well, he's only going to share with four other running backs. Is he um, though? What's that? Is he? You want to do your no, thing? No, no, no. I'm, like I'm, the I'm honestly asking. Back touches. I'm honestly asking. Um, th- he had a pretty good season last year, and Sony Michelle. We heard rumors that his roster spot isn't even safe. I know. Well, that's why they drafted Stevenson. Yeah, they did draft Stevenson. But what was he a fourth, fifth round pick? I still think James White's going to be their pass catching. Sure, pick. sure. I'm not expecting catches from Damian Harris, but. I also I made the case that Harris was so unlucky because Cam Newton scored so many rushing touchdowns. I that's that's yep. not unlucky. That's no, Cam Newton. That's no. He scored twelve. That is a that is a lot for any quarterback in any I, season. I think he could but he's be a good at it. Man. That's why they had him do it. And he, he might lose his job. Man's... So what if they go to Mac Jones? Does that not help? Well, then that would open things up for Harris, assuming that Harris it, is the guy they enlist in that role. It would open up goal line carries for Harris. It would close down rushing lanes. He wouldn't average five yards per carry or anywhere close to it if Mac Jones was a quarterback. Well, I'm not great sure if it would line. be like that. I th- I think the offensive line is good enough to pop open some lanes for Harris. Third best in football. No, I, I think it's well, a, you know, the bottom line with the Patriots is when you look at the injuries they had on the offensive line and the talent they had, it was one of the worst situations in football last year, right? Fair to say. Yes. Yep. So And their defense now. didn't play to expectations. And they almost there were a play. bunch they of were games solid, where you know? they just were not competitive. Yeah, um, but things are things are bad. Okay, so that's your take on the Patriots. Um, Dave, anything else? Anything you want to add here? I'm I'm surprised the 49ers didn't crack the top five. That's one of my favorite offensive lines this year. And they were rated very high in run blocking last year by Pro Football Focus. So I'm I'm a little surprised that they're not there, but I can't really I I can't fault them for Cleveland at one. Indy deserves to be top five. New Orleans deserves to be top five. Tampa Bay deserves to be top five. So I guess I've got I guess if the bone to pick is is to say San Francisco should be there. And New England shouldn't be, then that's it. Okay. Where did they have the 49ers? We'll go down a little bit farther. They had the Cowboys six, the Chiefs seven, Rams eight, Niners nine. It's funny that the Chiefs are that high. I mean, they 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 should be high based on all the moves they made this offseason. Remember, they're not judging them based on last year, it's current personnel. Yeah. But that that's another team I think I'd put the 49ers ahead of. 
It's it's been such a roller coaster for the Chiefs because they had a good offensive line early last year. They did. Um, and then everybody got hurt. And they had like a Steelers offensive line in the Super Bowl, and then <laughs> cut cut half of them. And now they have a good offensive line again. I guess they have Orlando Brown at left tackle and Joe Tooney. Those are two off season additions. So big deal there. All right, let's take a look at the five worst offensive lines number 32 this is what pff is forecasting going into the season the new york giants number 31 the mm. carolina panthers saquon barkley christian mccaffrey got your work cut out for you we know mccaffrey's so involved in the passing game but we don't know Bar- i mean barkley might have 60 percent of the catches that that mccaffrey has so when you see that their offensive line, which was horrible last year and is rated as the worst going into the season by PFF, um, how, does that give you pause, Dave, on on Barkley? No, I'm more concerned about Barkley's workload and how much he'll will he actually get the type of touches that we're expecting him to get. When you draft him as a top five running back, you're expecting him to get 20 touches a game. And if he's not all the way back from his injury, he's still going through rehab. Do they ease him in? There's been talk that that could happen. And that that would suck. That would suck to spend a big pick on Saquon Barkley and then, you know, he's only playing 60% of the snaps and Devontae Booker is in there playing a lot of snaps. That's not cool. Okay. Uh, so Giants, Panthers, Dolphins are the third worst. Steelers, Jets. This is pretty similar to the end of season rankings. Giants, Panthers, Dolphins, Steelers, Jets. The Jets, we know they drafted a run, uh, uh, an offensive lineman, a guard in the first round. Um, the and we like Mikai Becton, but we just said on a previous show that he's out of shape. The Dol- the Dol- Dolphins, Giants, Jets—they've all invested heavily in the last couple of years in their offensive line. Mm-hmm. So they I, I think the Steelers should be last. Well, the Steelers are a big unknown. Because they're 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 replacing Villanueva and Pouncey. Those with are two guy, but, veterans. But mostly right. with guys who weren't good enough to play over them last year, right? Exactly. Right. So it's a little strange <laughs> what they're doing. And you can make the case for them to be last, but just so many unknowns. I'm wondering where the Texans are on this list. I'm wondering where the Raiders are. You want to talk about a team that's had upheaval on their offensive Texans line? Texans are 20th. Okay. And where are the Raiders at? 25th. Where are the Bengals at? And like 23rd or something. 24th. And where are the Giants at? <laughs> the Dude. bottom. Yeah, that's... I, I wonder that again. if... Yeah, I wonder if the Raiders get extra credit for Tom Cable. Maybe. Which would make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really good. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it sucks for Daniel Jones. I think that's what sabotaged his career so far. Yeah. When I was I mean, when I was studying his, no. remember how he had all those fumbles two years ago? Uh-huh. When I was studying that, so he many of them came fumbles last year. Yeah, just well, for reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he had the worst pass blocking offensive line in football. Right, year, right, right. Like that offensive line let defenders through on the regular, and man, he he was shaky. He didn't like that. Oh boy! Which is uh, how most quarterbacks are. Most quarterbacks, when when the pressure's on, they will. This wasn't my idea, everybody. I swear, I had no intention of Daniel Jones talk. Okay, so those. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you have any final thoughts here. Um, See, Heath just puts the ball on the tee for me, and I just hack away. I, I feel like a bad offensive line is. I'm going to say it. The only, the only thing 
that will hold back Najee Harris. I don't see how he could have a bad year. I agree. And the more I've studied this offense and what they're going to do, the more I like it for Harris. Yeah, they're going to. The more I dislike it for the pass catchers, but especially Juju. Uh I want more on that. The Steelers' offense and what they're going to do. Okay. So Matt Canada is their new offensive coordinator. If you if you remember what he did at some of his previous stops when he was in college, he does a lot of pre-snap motion. It's all designed pre-snap motion to get the defense off balance, to try and get a read on what type of coverage they're playing, and to give the quarterback a chance to make a decision on where to go with the football. They want a quick decision with the football, and so they're going to move guys around. So the formation might open with Najee Harris in the backfield, and then Roethlisberger might move him out out wide. And then one of the receivers comes over, like it could be Juju who starts out wide, and he moves in motion, and he lines up where a tight end goes. And then they get an idea of whether they're against man or zone, what type of coverage. And Roethlisberger is a smart quarterback. He can make a decision on where's the best place to go with the football. And Harris is versatile enough where he can be a good pass-catching option for them if they find that he's got a favorable matchup after all the pre-snap motion. That's the thing I'm curious about is with Juju, with Deontay, with Claypool, with the tight ends, like because it kind of stopped throwing to the running back so much. Mm-hmm. Do it is that part of the plan? Yes. If 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 he's a 30 catch guy, then there's a lot of ways he could have a bad fantasy season. I just think he's going to be among the league leaders in carries. Unless they get well, back to their stupid offense where they throw the ball all the time, but I don't think they which will. They, which they've done each of the past two years when Ben Roethlisberger was healthy. No, but but they still managed to give big work to to one running back. It, but well, they tried. You know, Connor couldn't stay healthy, and um, I don't know. I, I just I just feel like uh, you know what they don't do. Okay, they don't do running back by committee. That's Agreed. essentially what it is. Uh, so right. that's why I think Harris is set up to for success unless the line is terrible, you know, they ranked 10th in running back carries last year, 10th fewest, I should say in running back carries only 322 carries to their running backs last year, 60 catches to their running backs. That was also fairly low. If I had to guess, I, 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 I think they're going to give more work to their run game. Yeah, obviously they want to do that. That's why they drafted Harris. And I think that takes away from, the short targets that all the receivers got. Who got the most of them? It was Smith-Schuster, who, by the way, barely finished as a top 24 receiver in points per game in PPR, despite 97 catches and nine touchdowns. If I had to guess, I would say that they do not want to look much like last year. I don't think Juju... um, And that's interesting. Like You bring up the Juju and the short area targets. There was something that came out today that he had made it very clear he does not want to play the slot this year. Oh, good. I mean that's huge news because that I killed that him. Deontay's playing the slot. That was bad for him. It was really bad for him. It took. I like it better ability. with any any receiver other than Juju in the slot because they get a size matchup with Claypool and they get a speed matchup with Johnson, and they get size with Juju. He's a big dude, but he's not. I was a say burner. Juju and Deontay are the same speed. I do right? think so. Or is that is that true? I think is that based on their the combine. Same. Yeah, when I watch them, I feel like Deontay's a little faster. All right, let's go to our Apple Podcast questions here. Thank you all for your Apple Podcast questions. We got a lot of them, so here we go. From Call me out on that if you disagree. By the way, BD five. Think that's not right. BD five thirty one. Hey, Larry, Robert, Danny, Kevin, and Dennis. Oh. 
Oh, it's Heath's favorite. You must love those guys. Nothing? Larry, Robert, Danny, Kevin, and Dennis? Um, 80s. I'm blanking. Short shorts. Hardwood hard yeah, floor. Celtics. Yeah, Celtics. Yeah. Oh, Celtics. 12-team PPR league. One keeper. Dalvin Cook in the first round or Calvin Ridley in the fourth round? 12th overall or 48th overall? Cook or Ridley? PPR. Mm. I'm going Delvin. Same. From Yoem Cat. What are your thoughts on keeping career stats in mind? Oh, you know what? We read this one uh, actually via email. So I will skip it because you heard that one via email. From R. Mitchum 1. I recently inherited a team in a 12-team Superflex League where I have the number three pick. Do I go with a quarterback or Najee Harris at 103? I am leaning towards Harris. It is Superflex. He has Pe- uh, Prescott and Rodgers. He has Hill, Edwards, Zelaer, Dobbins. Who's... uh? Oh, Taysom Hill, that must be. Okay. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Would you- well, he listed both Hills. He listed Hill after Rodgers, then he listed Tyreek Hill. Yeah, but I'm he, assuming he's receivers. listing them by position, so... I'm going to go Prescott, Rogers, Hill. It must mean Taysom Hill. Anyway, Edwards, Elair, Dobbins, he could use some running backs here. So what would you do? I'd go Harris. Yeah, I mean, I'd go Harris as long as Lawrence and Fields go one, two. Okay. I wouldn't take take Harris over Lawrence and Superflex. Okay, from Kitten Lindley, 12-team Dynasty League. I have the first, the third, and the fourth overall picks. Wow. Nice. I think I, that's nice. That probably means you, you bombed last year. Um, I have Akers, Metcalf, DJ Moore, Judy, Ayuk, and Claypool. I need a second running back badly. Now, obviously, he can draft one. He has picks one, three, and four. I was offered DeAndre Swift for the fourth overall pick and Jerry Judy and a future first. <sighs> Steep. Yeah, I, I love DeAndre Swift, I think, more than anybody, and I don't. I don't believe I would do that. Um, but you can get a second run. Like I would still take um first, I'd still take Chase first, but then you're going to get Harris or ETN at three, and you're gonna get like either Pitts or the other running back at four. Right. But he needs a second running back badly. I would lock up Harris at one, and then you know you're gonna get either Pitts or Chase at three. Mm-hmm. That's what That's I would so do. I, I would lock up that running back first. And okay. what if it were Swift and a like, second round pick next year? Is that enough to even the scales for you? Not really. Yeah. Ooh. Me. Yeah. You never know. It just depends on where that pick's going to be. If it's 22nd, then no. If it's 14th, yeah. If I was to get a, a second next year and maybe a receiver that's worse than Judy, I would. Oh, take now that we're deal. throwing another player in. Yeah, but I mean, we're not <laughs> talking about a good player. It's just someone for the bench. Okay, someone who maybe has some potential, not the same type of potential as Judy. I need to uh, correct an error. Deontay Johnson was one hundredth of a second faster than Juju. <laughs> four five three See? to four five four. All right, this is from that King Cole. I have the number one pick in an eight-team startup dynasty. Two QB IDP. Should I hold on to that number one pick and grab Mahomes, McCaffrey, or Kyler, or trade back to fourth or fifth? And if I do trade back, what else should I get back or send away? 
It's a startup dynasty, not a rookie draft. It's two quarterbacks. It's IDP, whatever. Um, would you stay at number one, or would you try to trade back to fourth or fifth in an eight-team league, and what would you try to get back if you did trade? I'd just take Mahomes. I think if the deal is so obvious that you wouldn't need to email us to ask us our opinion, you should do it. Like if someone's going to give you fourth overall and a third rounder for your first overall and a ninth rounder, something like that. Like it's it's a no-brainer. You you want to collect those earlier picks if you can get them in a smaller league so you can have more superstars on your team. Okay. But if it's, hey, I'll trade you my draft slot for your draft slot, uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. I want something to sweeten the pot if I'm getting out of the first slot. This is from Core2186. PPR, if bonuses were to be given, what would you say is an acceptable number of yards for passing, rushing, and receiving, as well as points for these bonuses? I've got two, th- I've got three thresholds because I'm complicated. 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving, 300 yards passing, small bonus, couple of points. That's it. Uh, if it gets to like 150 yards rushing or receiving or 450 yards passing, double the bonus, make it four or five points. If the player were to set a single game NFL record, then that should be worth like 20 points, but only in those specific cases. Um, I don't really like bonuses, but if you're going to do them, I strongly prefer a rushing plus receiving bonus as opposed to a rushing or receiving bonus. And you can set it a little bit higher if you want to. Mm. Um, Why? But, like it really penalizes very, very good backs like Austin Eckler who might have a lot of games with 70 of one and 70 of the yeah, other. Well, tell them the man up and get some more carries. Um, I, I don't want to tell him that. <laughs> so I, prefer, like, I, I would probably, I, the 300 passing is like the traditional thing to do, but if you wanted to do like that and then maybe 110 rushing plus receiving. Okay. From Clint, a lot has been made of the burrow chase connection in college. Not to the same degree, but what do you think about the Hertz Devontae Smith connection? Could we see similar upside out of the gate? And I'll throw another one in there: the Waddle to a connection. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool. Hertz and Smith, I believe they had two years together at Alabama. I don't know how much they actually played together. I'm sure they practiced say, together a bunch. In 2018, Jalen Hurts threw 70 passes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of those went to um, Devontae Smith, but 65. I, I don't yeah, think I, so. don't th- I don't think so because Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, Herb Smith were all, and Jerry Judy were all yep. also on that team. Mm-hmm. Smith's better. I, I, I don't know why Alabama always wins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think it helps as far as familiarity goes where one could say to the other, hey, remember how we used to do this back at Alabama? Now we're just doing it here. Oh, okay, cool. Gotcha. I remember that. Like, but seriously. it's a lot. Di- it's a lot different when there's two guys that are on the field, setting NCAA records together for 15 games, however many games it was in 2019. They had Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris at running mm-hmm. back. Yep. They had Tua, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones at quarterback, and they had those five wide receivers. 
Yeah, it's got to be close to decent. the most NFL starting skill position players on the same roster. But then you like have to look entire at, depth chart made the NFL. <laughs> you have to look at LSU too. Uh, the year before, uh, it can't be as many, but they didn't have that many quarterbacks, right? Uh, no way. No. Uh, th- I can tell you that uh, the Hurricanes had five running oh, backs. I knew you were going there. Five. I knew it. Five NFL running backs on one team. Right. Not many NFL quarterbacks, though. That was 2000, 2000 or 2001. Um, that's all I can tell you, though. Uh, one of them played. Was uh, one of them was Najee Davenport. The one was a fullback, I guess. Okay. Uh, well, we uh, we are out of here. Got to talk about Daniel Jones. Got to talk about the Hurricanes. It's a good show. <laughs> one of your favorites. What do you mean? What was Darius shows? Slayton's catchable target rate? That would be a comparable one to Judy. Let's see what we got. Oh, we're not done yet. Okay. Thanks for the Apple Podcast questions, everybody. Very, very much appreciated. I think we're going to have four shows for you next week. We might even have a surprise mailbag for you later this week. I Any guesses, Heath? Percentage of catchable targets for Darius Slayton. I'm going to set the number at 62. Okay. Adam, is it over or under 62? It is under. It is under. 59.57%. Makes sense. Okay, we're out of here. See you later, everybody. If we don't talk to you with with a bonus mailbag, have a great weekend. If we do talk to you, have a great Thursday. See ya. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.